Welcome to Discover Energy Work. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Daniel Reed, international best-selling author of things that I find amazingly interesting. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Daniel. How are you? I'm okay. It's a bit hot, but I'm getting used to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is hot. But we, we, are, we are like uh, separated by like six or seven kilometers, but uh, you know, Zoom makes it so easy to just like, you know, record a show and everything. But, uh, and we have the great pleasure of having a COVID shutdown in Shanghai. My goodness. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of new for us because we never, well, I didn't experience it quite as, well, it seems like I didn't experience it so badly, but um, yeah, anyway. Um, you're, you're in Chiang Mai, um, you're, I think it's fair to say you've got an incredible background, incredible story. Discover Energy works all about the story. Um, you've devoted your life to a lot of your life, I don't know, you know, the whole of your life, but you've um, devoted a lot of your life to, to Tao and to explaining these uh, ancient ideas. What 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 got you there? What what happened? Did you have some sort of experience that blew your mind, or did you get me in, interested in China or in the Tao? I I could I could say like the Tao would probably be more important for me, but but I'm okay to, for you. Well, to, well, people I, are interested. Taiwan. Well, going to Taiwan. I, I studied. Chinese. I got a master's degree in Chinese, and uh, I, I originally wanted to go to China, but it was the middle of the Cultural Revolution, which I wasn't even aware of. And so my teacher said, "Well, never mind that. Come to Taiwan. That's the real China." So I went with him, and I stayed sixteen years. And uh, well, various things that. One thing led to another, a sports injury got me, someone took me to see a Chinese doctor and I liked what he was doing. So I studied with him for a while and wrote a book about it. Qigong, again, I just met people who were practicing Qigong. Um, I took a few classes, but mainly most of the stuff I learned there about Taoism and Taoist practice with your personal friends. Right. So something. And then I, was, I practice myself uh, and see how it works. And then, like, people would, you know, editors would come along from Hong Kong or something and say, oh, I want a book about this or that. And it was always related. So, sort of got off the ground like that. But was there, um, I suppose, I'm curious to try and see if there's there was this um ex these certain experiences you had said yeah i'm on the right track you know this is uh i mean if i relate to my experience um when i was in Ch sichuan i couldn't believe what this guy was doing with uh, with energy this this uh taiji master uh Taoist master and and i thought okay i kind of challenge him he says he he you know all of his students can learn can learn to feel energy within a few days. And I kind of challenge him, I don't believe that. And then within three or four days, I was feeling energy and I'm like, whoa, okay, so I need to re-review how I see the world. 
did you have anything? Yeah, well, I guess for me, it was fixing up a uh, that sports injury basically overnight. It was. What, what happened? What was the injury? Tell us. <laughs> I, I was playing ra- racquetball and took a long swing and wrenched my back out. Couldn't stand up straight. I've had that injury before, and I knew mm-hmm. I was in for two weeks of discomfort and inability to stand up straight. And uh, this guy said, oh, you'll be okay tomorrow. Uh, it was Twena he used, uh, the Twena press and rub technique, which hmm. I think is one of the best things in TCM. And it's also one of the least known, but it, you know, and then he had his own poultice, herbal poultice that he put on, on my back. And well, the next morning I just, jumped out of bed. I didn't even remember I had this thing on my back and then suddenly remembered, wow, I was injured yesterday and now I'm fine. And that impressed me. So I went to, I sort of made myself his uh, um, apprentice for a while, informal. Right. That's how I learned about it. And uh, I think the other thing about Taoism, another friend introduced me to a to Qigong practice and took me to his class with him. And then I could see that including Chinese cooking, painting, calligraphy, they all boiled down to the same basic principles. The yin and the yang, balance and harmony, the five elements, Mm -hmm. the basic principles. It wasn't just a matter of theory, but it ran through everything. Uh, in traditional Chinese culture. And so that just made me all the more interested. And I started looking into different aspects of Chinese culture and trying to delineate where those principles show up in the art of tea and in cooking, uh, of course, Qigong, Chinese medicine, stuff like that. And then I started writing about it. Right. You're one of these people, um, and, and forgive me if I don't manage to express this well, but you've, you've, you've experienced so many different things. Kind of my, my, uh, my fear was we're going to talk about a lot of things and nothing because, you know, you've got this really, really big experience of so many areas. And, um, um, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's difficult, difficult to get to the essence because there's so many you know, things around it. Um, I, I remember um, just going uh, back to an experience I had uh, sitting with you and Snow uh, at your home drinking tea and feeling so great about there's a certain, I'll say like a Tao of the tea as well. And uh, yeah, I call it Qigong. Qigong, I like that. <laughs> So have you got yeah, a all my teachers, all my teachers, I used to drink coffee, like you know, strong coffee, hand ground in the morning and all that. I didn't pay much attention to the tea, but then it turned out that all the people I was studying with, the Qigong teachers and the doctors, they were all drinking this tea, high mountain oolong tea grown in Taiwan. And uh I read a book by uh, John Blofeld, uh, The Chinese Art of Tea, and I met him actually shortly before his death in Bangkok. And 
that book impressed me enough to go down and buy a teapot and some tea. And that, I've been drinking tea every day ever since. Um, and it's a remarkable, I mean, when you get the right kind of tea, which I think is the high mountain Nolan from Taiwan, it has remarkable health benefits besides tasting really good. And I mean, it wakes me up in the morning and it, it activates the nervous system, gets your circulation going, it slightly alkalizes your bloodstream, which is a positive state to be in. And of course, there's all the little teapots, and the, the cups, the tray, it just goes on and on. The Chinese make an art of just about everything in life. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, um, I, I, I feel, um, a little bit as well, like just the whole process of making the tea that, that it's, it's almost an enigmatic tea ceremony. You wouldn't know it was there. It's not like the Japanese tea ceremony where you, you, like, you know, you're in the tea ceremony, like the Chinese is, there's a ritual to it and it, it draws you in, but it's almost like a ritual of no ritual. It's very Zen, you know, if you know what I mean. Well, I, you know, on people call it the tea ceremony. That I don't. That's not what the Chinese call it. They call it chai. They call it the art of tea. Mm. And um, whereas in the Japanese tea ceremony, it's extremely formal, and the tea itself is sort of a secondary thing. Mm. You know, if you like raw green tea whisked up in a cup and all that but that's not really the point is not the tea itself but making all the observances you can't talk you can't speak <laughs> but the, the chinese art of tea is just the art of making a really good cup of tea and meanwhile you're free to talk and interact with anybody at the tea table and spill a bit here and there that's why there's always a tray a slotted tray to catch the runoff water so it's very practical and uh enjoyable i mean it's like chinese food uh the, the way the chinese cook food and the ingredients and all that it's a basically very healthy diet but then again they apply all these principles you know the yin and the yang and the harmony of the five the five uh, elemental energies then manifest as the five flavors right salt sugar whatever and they bring that in uh, again to turn it into an art so yeah. that the cooking becomes a high art that's based on the Taoist principles and the tea the art of tea is the same way the the, the way it's made um, the timing the taste so there again it's a combination of form and function. The, the form is always very important to the Chinese mm. because they like things. They're very visual people. And uh, I think Westerners are more auditory. Okay. Yeah, Western music, classical music, but <laughs> you heard Chinese opera music. It's, it's one of the noisiest. It's like a din, really. And, and but they're really into visual balance. And so everything is just nicely set up that you can just make a cup of tea, but no, no, they want to have beautiful pots made by famous potters with clay from a particular mountain. 
And uh, then the tray is made out of beautiful bamboo and not just a plastic tray, things like that. And yet the tea itself is important. Maybe unlike in the Japanese tea ceremony, the tea itself and the taste of it is not the main thing, it's the ritual. But the Chinese have a very specific way of growing tea and uh, drying it fertilizing it properly, picking it by, by hand so none of the tea leaves are broken. Mm. So it's all part of an, an art that has, I think, two pairs of words I would put into it that kind of run through all these Chinese arts of life are balance and harmony. Things have to be in balance and in, in harmony and uh, health and longevity. They should, they should enhance your health and prolong your life. Hmm. It's, um, yeah, it, it is special. It's lovely to hear you talk about it. Um, I, I know you've written, I mean, you know, it's typical of me. I, I feel like you've touched on the John Blofeld connection, which is kind of amazing that you guys met. Uh, because yeah, it's almost yeah. like, you know, you take on, on a mantle from... John Blofeld, which people probably don't know, John Blofeld was was an extremely um, um, he was a scholar of, of uh, Taoism. I could is it fair to say that? Taoism uh, and Buddhism. He actually practiced Tibetan Buddhism. Um, his main teachers were Tibetans, but he spent eighteen years in China mm. before the Communist Revolution. He had he had to leave in nineteen forty nine or forty eight much to his uh, grief and mm. he ended up in Bangkok. I always figured he'd gone back to England and become a professor at Cambridge or something. But all this time he'd been living in Bangkok for 35 years. Uh, and when I found that out, I wrote him a letter and introduced myself and said how much I, his books were instrumental in introducing me to the to Taoism and Buddhism. Mm. Um, he was quite a prolific writer. So he invited me to come to come see him. So I went there, I stayed in Bangkok for, oh, a month or two. And usually, and he had cancer then. And so I'd go over in the afternoon and we drank tea and talked. But I, he had a beautiful Thai house. And after, he, after his death, um, I moved to Bangkok then. And his daughter, his, his, his adopted Thai daughter, offered to let me live in that house. Nobody in the family wanted to be up there after he died. <laughs> so they had his ashes up there because they're trying to find a temple that would accept a foreigner's ashes. And they finally did find one, but for about a year, it was up there. It, but. You know, not, that didn't bother me. I, I slept in his bed. I wrote at his desk. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a mantle. When I heard that, I was like, wow. It's, for me, you know, maybe thinking of it as like, a, you know, there's certain synchronicities in life and you meeting mm -hmm. him and then being offered his house and living in his house and feeling comfortable is, is kind of, yeah, says, yeah, yeah all good, you know. Um, he was a scholar for sure. Um, and then he wrote about what, what he'd learned and everything. I, I'm more interested in the more practical things like 
uh, like Qigong and uh, Chinese medicine. He didn't write books on that sort of thing. Um, but he had a lot of fans around the world. Yes, I thought one of his mourned his passing. But when I met him, he was writing his memoirs in Chinese uh, about his life in China and uh, trying to get it done because he, he had serious cancer. And uh, I, I actually introduced him to a pharmaceutical uh, neuro enhancer that overcame the, the problems he was having writing because of the chemotherapy he was taking. Mm -hmm. So that really got him going again. And a friend of his in Hong Kong, it was being serialized in the Hong Kong newspaper, his memoirs, but then it was published in Chinese and I got the English translation rights. Oh, wow. And so it, yeah, it came out years later because I couldn't find a publisher interested enough to sign a contract. So I just kind of let it go for a while. But in 2006, I did. This is long after he died, almost 20 years. Yeah. And it was published. So suddenly there was a new book on the market by John Blofeld, and it was actually his memoirs. Wow. I, I think. Very interesting book. Hmm. Well, you know, I feel like, you know, there's there's two things. I think in there's a fascination which I think we probably both share for for the Taoist um, philosophy, the 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 um, these wonderful like this wonderful system that seems to sort of be applicable to everything from tea to how you build a house to how how yeah. it's structured it's like oh wow how, that is so so simple and and it's it's not even it's saying oh we only need to return to our nature to who who we really are um it's even like a really simple simple message behind there and then there's uh the busy people of the world who kind of want to hear like something fast and applicable so so the idea was like to give them stories that was that was the idea it's like okay well i had this like you're saying like i had this problem you really need to spend two weeks solving it or four weeks solving it the next day it's gone and it's because somebody worked on the, the energy flow using using yeah. skills in their hands it's like that is unreal yeah that just doesn't happen um and, and they uh, apply to everything there's the energy meridians of the planet so you got feng shui and right. you know any Chinese person build, building a building or a house will always have a feng shui master come in to see where the, the lines are running. They're going to definitely want to set up their house in a way that the doors, the main doors face in the right direction to take advantage of how the energy is flowing, which is different every place. And uh, so it's like a healthy uh, geomancy, a, a healthy way to build your house and to see to lay out your house for maximum benefit. Have you got any stories of feng shui from your experience or, or even um, these, these stories where you heard like, like there's, there's uh, stories in Hong Kong of, of how they had to build holes in the building so that the dragon oh, yeah. goes through the holes. Um, yeah, and pots of water to, to pick up the energy. 
from certain things. And also, like in Taiwan, uh, people who overlooked all that and just because they had a piece of property on a busy intersection, built an office building there, totally ignoring all feng shui principles. As far, and then the, a few offices opened there, a few companies, they went broke right away. And then they looked into the feng shui and they said, oh my God, this thing is totally off kilter. And then the building just went left, was left empty. The word spread and nobody would rent a, it, was, it stood there for about 10, 12 years. But finally somebody bought it and knocked it down, put up a building proper. Um, when we were living in Australia, when we went there, uh, we found a piece of land to build a house on, and it, snow knows a bit about feng shui. And it had a perfect flow of energy going from the mountain behind it all the way down right to, to the ocean below. Wow. And it was very, very well set up. So we bought that piece of land and built a house on it. Yeah. It, it, and again, that's one of these things where, you know, when I'd experienced the energy work, I thought... Um, I thought I was going to be coming back to Hong Kong. And, I, and although it seems like everybody at a certain age, they know about energy. They know, everybody knew a little bit about feng shui. Everybody knew a little bit about like, if you've eaten hot, then that, that's, you've eaten too much hot, you're going to now start eating cool things. And, and now it's almost like you say chi and they don't know actually what is chi. They don't know what is... Well, energy is the one thing that's really not recognized in, uh, in, in Western civilization, not in terms of human health. And, you know, you've got your physical self and you, you go see the surgeon or take uh, pharmaceutical drugs or whatever to fix the body. And then you got something wrong with your mind or you know, go see the psychiatrist. Hmm. But there's a, there's a bridge between the physical and the mental or spiritual. Uh, and that's energy. So it runs through both. And, you know, even quantum physics has shown that it really is nothing that's ultimately solid anyway. You keep looking closer and closer and closer down to subatomic particles, eventually they just disappear and become waves. Uh, so the energy is a very real thing. It's, the, the energy is far more real than than solid form. Solid form is an, an illusion. We just, our eyes see uh, energy. It's, it's really light that's slowed down to the point where we take it to be a solid material. Hmm. And, uh, but in actual scientific fact, there is no such thing as a solid thing. It's all energy just condensed. Right. To a point where, where it seems solid when you touch it with your fingers, it looks solid, um, but it's actually not. It's energy. Right. It, it, it's, and in fact, I was reading uh, this week, they've discovered a, a fifth fundamental uh, like particle. They haven't found it. They've just found it's there. So uh, I forgot, like a meons or something. They're, they're particles that weren't behaving the way they thought they should behave. 
<laughs> energy <laughs> often does not behave the way it should. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm loving it. And I, I love it because I always say science is about the mystery, not about knowing things. So when people tell me they definitely know something, I say, well, it probably doesn't sound very scientific to me. Like science is the mystery. And actually, that's why I bring them together. I said, like, Taoism energy is the mystery. You know, we, we don't know everything, but we can connect to it. <laughs> we can just... Oh, yeah. That. We, can, we can manipulate it and control it. I mean, because uh, energy responds to intent. Mm. And actually influence the way energy moves in your body and functions with focused intent. That's also been shown to be true by quantum physics because they have the observer with this uh, high-tech device which, in which you can see the subatomic particles dissolving into energy waves. And with intent, the observer can then make it reappear over, over here or over there. And now it looks like a particle again. And then, oops, now it becomes a wave again. And you can alternate it with, with mind. Right, right. You're talking about, for people that might not know, uh, you, I think you're talking about the double slit experiment and how yeah. it can appear, depending on whether you're looking at it, it appears as a wave or as a yeah. particle. And it's like, exactly. that's totally, uh, totally interesting. And it's, it's, it's a mystery. We don't really understand it. And um, yeah, I think that's quite, kind of cool. Um, have you got any stories about intent where, where or energies shifted something? Uh, off the, well, I'm sorry, putting you on the spot off the top of your head. <laughs> no, no, but I've, I've had some friends in Taiwan who were um, working with energy in medicine. Yeah. And um, they would be working on a certain part of your body, which seemed to be sort of distant from where the symptom was. Right. Maybe you had a headache or something wrong with your chest or something, and they're down there working on your feet or on, the, on your arm or something. And what they're really doing is getting energy flowing, opening up blocked channels. Hmm. And then when they, then suddenly you feel better and then, okay, you got the, you got the chi. Hmm. And uh, so as far as intent goes, when a, a doctor like that is working with, with energy and, and on acupressure points and all that, it's not just a matter of manipulation, but he has to also channel in his intent to have it behave in a certain way, to go to a certain part of the body and to, and to, and to heal. Mm. So the intent uh, behind healing and I think it's true with calligraphy too. And uh, I've heard tell about tea masters who make their tea and there's an intention to make that tea help you or taste a certain way. And it comes out through the fingers. They're handling the clay pot, which is the natural material. And it goes on and on. The water is from a river. It's got no chemicals in it. And everything just harmonizes. Right. So um, I haven't seen people levitate with intent or anything, not yet anyway. Um, but I know that the intent, the, the word for intent 
in Chinese, Yi uh, is my favorite uh, ideogram. The written oh, form. Oh, tell me, it. yeah, uh, yeah, share. I mean, I know it's it's uh, for me, and I'm I'm going to say it's stand, heart, uh, sun, heart. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, the sun is in there, but actually, I think that's mouth. Yes. Uh, or, or to speak. Yes. Which looks like the sun radical, but it's it's that whole top part, which means sound. In, in oh, yeah. Sound or music or vibration. Oh, I love yeah, sound it. Sound of vibration. And then what's underneath there is the heart. Vibration which of the heart. Also the word for mind, the oh sound of the heart. Or a vibration in the mind. Thank or, you. I got a I got a cold shower. I got, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a fantastic one. And so it's really saying is your intent, the real intent comes from the heart as a vibration. And so of course, people who are very sensitive to, to energy and stuff can actually tell when someone's trying to deceive them. Because what they're saying, which is coming from the head, is not the same as the vibe they're putting out in their heart. And so people are paying, you know, paying attention to, and Snow is pretty good at that. And mm. I can't tell you how many times we're sitting with somebody and speaking English, and she'll just say in Chinese, there's something wrong here, you know, that the vibe's not right. Yeah, I don't mm. think this guy's telling you the truth or something like that, because the words are from your human consciousness, from the ego. To try to have a purpose, an ulterior motive, or something, but you can't cover the vibration in the heart. This is that most people have don't even have the idea that there's an intent that's just broadcasting out from a person's heart that that tells the whole story. And unless you can tune into that, then you wouldn't know it. But it's just significant to me that that's the word that the way they construct the character for intent. And I mean, there's so much wisdom in Chinese, uh, in the Chinese language, in the written language specifically, because it's all, they're, they're all, they're pictures. And they're, they're ideas that come together in, in a graphic form. Right. For a reason. Well, you know, um, you were saying the Chinese are more visual and, um, and, and literally, you know, the, the writings, their ideograms, their, they're not, yeah. um, they're, they're not ideal they're not. ideograms. Ideograms, mm. yeah, um, and uh, so that really fits with me. And I love the idea. Also, I like the idea. You know, they say energy follows the the the, uh, the sound of the heart. That's already like sounds amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But I also like the idea of. Um, I met my teacher one day. And I went, I went to meet him at the bus uh, at the railway station. He was coming in from uh, Munich, München, and uh, I was waiting at Karlsruhe, Karlsruhe uh, in the main main railway station, the Hauptbahnhof. And I walked up and down the platform, and I just stopped. And then the train stopped, the door opened, and I was standing where his carriage was, where his seat was. Like the door opened to me, and I, yeah. he said. He said, uh, he said, that is, Tian is heaven. I'm, I'm explaining not for, not for you, <laughs> for all this. A heaven in 
the intent of heaven that I would stand there where he's, you know, where he's alive. Yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes. And so how do you, I, but I've been fascinated, like, okay, so I understand humans have intention. So how do you say, for, as a Taoist, how do you uh, put your uh, turn on that? on that turn of phrase like well i think um the idea is to follow your heart more than your head the the heart is a, is the word in the same character they use from the word mind but mm. what they're really talking about is is your higher mind your spirit uh the light is there and up here the head is the is the realm of the ego or the human mind. The human, the, what's in your heart and, and, and the, when they refer to the light or something like that, or, that, that is an, the, the immortal part of you. And uh, but very few people pay any attention to that or even have the concept of such a thing. And uh, so the people work from their head, but you know, it's not only that people deceive others, with with devious intentions and all that hmm. most of all they deceive themselves so they get themselves the ego is always and the ego is also just when, when you die your ego just disappears it's something you take on when in childhood and programming and socialization and all that and the ego tends to take take over your life it commandeers your energy. It has you doing all kinds of things you, you're probably better off not doing. Um, and people just don't pay much attention to the subtle, the subtle sound or vibration that's that's coming from their higher self, or what we, we refer to as the heart. Hmm. Um, so I think that's basically the whole idea behind spirituality. That's that's not nearly the same. That's not the same thing as religion. Yeah, it's kind in of religion. Of... Most religions, there seems to be like you don't have any connection with quote God or the higher, the great spirit, or or anything like that. You need an intermediary. You need a priest and all that, and and to tell you what to do and how to do it. But in, in the Taoist and Buddhist traditions, you know, everybody has it. And, and it's just a matter of waking up to, to what you already have, and that was already within your field. Um, that's very different from following orders from a scripture or from mm -hmm. someone who says, well, I'm, I've been ordained to represent Hmm. whichever God happens to be the one in that religion. Hmm. So it's, it's far, spirituality is a far more personal thing. It's interesting um, to talk about um, Tao from a spiritual point of view, because uh, um, um, I, think, I think in some ways, I think people are uh, with the current crisis, uh, with the pandemic, people are looking uh, outside the, the realms of what they thought they were. You know, that there needs to be more meaning. Yeah, they have, per there, there's purpose to their life, but do they have meaning? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, uh, 
and Dao, I always Dao, I always feel like is uh, it's beyond it's beyond spirituality. It's bigger than spirituality. It, it, it's enormous, and yet it will always go where it's needed. And I think you know, I think most people when they meet the Dao. They often meet spirituality because that's kind of what they needed. Do, do you agree or do you see it differently? Yeah, well, that, the Tao is just the Taoist form of, of spirituality, the, the ancient Chinese. I mean, again, just look at the word. What does the Tao mean? It means the way. Uh, it also means path. Mm. So the path or the way. When, when Laozi was writing, penning the Tao Te Ching and trying to describe it, he said, I don't know what to call this thing that I'm talking about. So he basically said, he nicknamed it the Tao, the way, because it's the way everything works. It, there's only one way. And so then you say, all right, well, what do you mean by that? Can you give me an example? And of course. Nature on this planet in this world, if you want to know what the Tao is, how things really work, well, go out and observe nature the right. birds and the bees, the trees and the flowers, and how everything works. And that's very applicable now to what's happening because the approach people are taking to this so called pandemic is all just pharmaceutical using chemicals and, and all kinds of things that have nothing to do with nature. Well, if you want to follow nature, uh, get healthy. Get a strong immune response. That's how trees survive. That's how bees survive. And, you know, by speaking of bees, there's so many bees colonies dropping dead now. Mm. That's certainly not the way. <laughs> That's not nature. Well, so there's different theories about it. Some think it's glyphosate, the pesticide. Others say it's 5G. Uh, vibration is too high level for them. And it's giving, basically, the bees are getting the equivalent of dementia. Uh, and they can't find their way back to the hive. Okay. So, okay. Um, but that principle, as it applies to the bees and the birds and the trees and all that, you can just take it further and it applies to us as well because we're part of nature. We, we've got physical bodies and uh, the interference with nature is what the problem is. And if you want to get back to the Tao in a practical way with anything, food, you know, grow the food with, with natural fertilizer, let, it, let the, the rain come down without uh, chemicals from the chemtrails in it and uh, it'll be healthy. Most food today is not healthy. Right, you've done, I, I know you've done a lot of work on food. And I mean, like you've done a lot of work on a lot of different areas, um, which, is, which makes you uh, like hopefully a comeback guest. Um, but um, you've done a lot of work on food and, and how the body detoxes uh, in a really natural way. Fasting. Fasting. So fasting is not eating anything, or what does fasting mean? It doesn't necessarily, well, it is not eating anything for some period of time. There's what's very popular now is intermittent fasting, which is basically just keeping an eight-hour window in the day when you have all your eating done, okay? Um, or a six-hour window, however, 
you want to take it. If it's an eight-hour window, okay, for 16 hours, you don't eat. I mean, what the word breakfast, breakfast, what does that mean? Yeah, Break fast. Yeah, right. What fast? You were sleeping. You're, you were in bed, you were at dinner, and then you read for a while, and you went to bed. It's been 12 hours before you get up and have your breakfast. That's your breaking a fast. Mm. Now, extend it for a few more hours, and you start getting a detox function, which mm. kicks in after about, oh, well, it starts after about 12 hours, but more like if you go up 16 hours without eating, all those detox pathways of the body spelling toxins and, and cleaning, cleaning the cellular fluids and all that, and, and the blood <coughs> coming back into balance, that begins to take place. Hmm. Uh, and then you eat, and then you do it again. So that's intermittent. But uh, I, you know, a longer, longer fasts, the longer you fast, the more things happen. Uh, you start to remove he heavy metals from your brain, and, uh, all kinds of stuff right. begins to happen and, and things, you, your, your, your system gets back into balance, into natural balance. Yeah. So, okay. Um, food, eating. There's another thing about that is <coughs> food, combi <coughs> <Pardon me. coughs> food combining. Certain foods uh, have a harmful effect if they're eaten in the wrong combination, like you know, starches and, and, and animal proteins, um, fruit. Fruit is something that is so pure and uh, mostly water that it actually doesn't need to be digested in your stomach. It's designed to go right through your stomach into your duodenum where it starts to absorb but if you've got a steak down there or fried potatoes or whatever, hmm. then the fruit has to stand in line. It's waiting for that to pass, which is going to be two or three hours at least. And what is what does chewed up fruit with enzymes in it from your mouth do? It ferments. It ferments, and then everything in your stomach ferments. Hmm. And every, the, the ever-present bacteria get all the nutrients and you get all the waste. Right. And you get drunk. Yeah, well, you could. <laughs> <clears throat> but you get a lot of acid uh, waste and uh, toxic substances. Right. Yeah. Uh, food combining is actually quite important. It can get very, very into very detailed levels. But there's maybe three or four basic principles you follow. You'd be all right. So, you know, no matter how healthy the food you're eating is, if you're eating something that's basically uh, incompatible from the point of view of digestion, then you're not going to digest any of it properly and you're not going to get any nutrients from it. So humans are basically omnivores. People say, oh, well, humans should be vegan, vegetarian, because we've got a long digestive tract like the apes. <clears throat> but humans have been through several long ice ages. And in an ice age, there are no plants. There's only animals. you got to bring down a, a mammoth uh, elephant or hunt a bear down or something and then 
you know, you eat the, the meat and the fat. And those humans who didn't have the digestive capacity for that just died off. So we've developed this sort of digestive system where we have hydrochloric acid in our, in our stomach. I mean, it's really acidic. That acid is very strong and yeah. it's meant to break down, to break down meat, eggs, uh, <laughs> any kind of fat. So that's uh, required for that. But if you put in, then you're eating noodles and bread, carbohydrates and sweets at the same time, which require a, com a completely different kind of digestive juice, then neither one digests properly. Right. So these are important principles for a healthy diet. It's not just a matter of um, eating healthy foods, organic foods. It's how you combine them. And, and then again, having a, a space of time between meals. Right. And the longer, the better. Because, I mean, human beings, again, look at nature. <laughs> look at how animals live. And all. They spend time finding their food. Hmm. And then bringing it back to the cave or back to the nest or whatever it is. And then and they, they eat. But they're not eating all day long, as people do today. Hmm. True. And, you know... Um... I also feel like the Germans have an expression, they say, Dreck is gesund, which means dirt is healthy. And I think yeah, well, that's true. also like so ridiculously over um, hygienic that we're getting yeah. away from getting, getting some crap inside us. So that our body's reacting to it, even taking, taking good things out of the crap, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, of course. And I mean, your body immune response depends entirely on keeping it challenged. Um, it doesn't have to be COVID or some tuberculosis or something serious like that. It's just the daily, yeah, the dirt. Kids who play in the dirt, you get their hands dirty and all that, they, uh, they basically are healthier. Yes, yes. Daniel, I, it's, it's brilliant. I, we, it, the, the time's just run away from us. Um, <laughs> it's time tends to do that. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, it's great. It's, I mean, there's more stories than I than I mean, wonderful information and stories. I love it, love it. You've written a lot of books. Where can people find your books if they want to find them online? You've got um, obviously. Well, you can find them on Amazon.com or something, or from the publisher. But on my website, there is a section on books. And if you open that section, <clears throat> my books are all, you just scroll down to you'll find them all. And there is a, there's a link for ordering. And sometimes it goes to the publisher and sometimes it goes to Amazon. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming. I, I'm sure this is going to be a really popular episode. I mean, really, I think you honor me with, with just coming on. I think sure many more people are going to come on than normal for, for my humble little podcast but so thank you so much and very very oh you're much. quite welcome um i mean after all here we are in chiang mai we're not supposed to go out i don't like <laughs> i don't like wearing these masks so i basically just stay in the house <laughs> right, right well um uh, i'm gonna sign off now and um okay. Uh, and I will wish everybody um, a lovely day, whatever you're doing. 
and check out Discover Energy Work. Uh, we've got new things happening. I've got ESP Energy Strengthening Program being released if it's not out already. Uh, so check that out. That's a, a video course coming up. And check, please check out Daniel's books. He's got books on, I would, I won't say everything, but he's got a, if you're interested in energy work, you should definitely check out his books. Thank you so much.